unfortunately, I am still thinking about Hulk Hogan's severed head. Merry Christmas from the Jaded Family. Let's break down some wrestling. I have a problem, and please forgive me in advance because we started wide to bring that up the exact same way. But Hulk Hogan, for whatever reason, has been living rent-free in my head, and I hate it. We talked about the severed head segment on Wednesday, and here's the problem about it. I didn't really refresh myself. I just kind of, you know, researched a little bit, and I was like, this is going to be hilarious to talk about. But then I made the mistake of finding a picture of it and then re-watching it. And there are so many questions and so little time. First and foremost, it starts off with Hulk getting interrupted in the middle of a promo. And yeah, some nerve on that guy. But he gives Hulk Hogan a present. And Hulk thinks one of his friends like Eric Bischoff got it for him, right? Well, no, that is not what happened at all. Instead, what happened was Sting got it for him, but he doesn't know that just yet. He opens up the present, and I swear, Hulk Hogan must be blind, man, because he just stares at it as he's grabbing it. No technique whatsoever. He's a barbarian when it comes to open boxes. He just rips that boy, yanks the head out, staring at it, and it's not until he gets his head up, the entire crowd can see, including the camera, all the fans watching at home, him go, as if he didn't look at it for like a good 10 seconds before he actually pulled it out man imagine you pull a severed head out of a box it takes your brain a second to understand that it's a severed head like you just look at it and be like fuck is that thing you get me a bowling ball like what am i holding in my hand holy shit it's a severed head the worst part was it had hulk's bandana so it was like dead obvious it was him (laughs) right and instead he just decides to go with the utter sell job but respect to him i also imagine hulk is just looking at it like this looks like my head can't be my head though because i'm looking at it with my head i don't think this is my head but wait a minute it's got my bandana on it must be my head imagine the purgatory in his mind when he opened it he's like am i dead is this all (laughs) a dream (laughs) is this what the afterlife feels like am i living a ghost life What Poor Hulk, man. That wasn't right to do that to him. <laughs> that was an existential midlife crisis for no reason, and it's all Sting's fault. You know what I will say, though? The acting in that promo was far better than any of his movies. I believe that, though. And I know. I know. Believe me. You know, I won't take the time <laughs> to validate it. I'm just going to take your word on it. But you know what you should take my word on? Well, I mean, I showed you the clip, but Sting could not operate a zip line to save his life. <laughs> He's supposed to zipline all dramatic, and you know, one can argue he's just soaking in the pop. No, no, he had no idea what he was doing. He's making sure he was safe, and it took a whole minute out of a two and a half minute segment for him just to get himself adjusted and come down the zipline. It took so damn long, Taylor, they didn't even have time to show any of the aftermath. They had to cut it as soon as he got to the ring. (laughs) They went through all of their TV time just because Sting wasn't prepared. What kind of bullshit is this? I. I think that I'm going to take the other side of this. I think that it makes him look like an everyday man. It makes me like Sting more. 
This just added Sting to my favorite wrestlers list. Don't you play devil's advocate, <laughs> you son of a bitch. That is not what we're doing here today, and I will not allow it. I'm just saying, if you were given no instructions on how a zipline works, and someone was just like, hey, work this zipline, could you figure it out? When did they tell us that? They, they were just like, you're going to get them on this building. There'll be a present waiting for you. They didn't even tell him it was a zipline. He got up there. They were like, you have to zipline to the ring. He's like, what's a zipline? He just is completely <laughs> oblivious to the existence of zip lines in general. Like, I just is not, he doesn't believe in them. That's what I'm going to go with. But no, he just shows up to the arena that day and they're like, hey, hope you're ready. He's like, ready for what? And they're like, you'll, you'll find see. out later. <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Speaking of Sting, though, we have to talk about him some more. And I don't know how I feel about it. I know you're in love with it. However, I am in love with CM Punk forever. And he went surfer Sting on us. Let me ask you this. Is this shit corny or is this shit not corny? Just tell me yay or nay. Let's put it that way. If it was someone who was a little, like a veteran who was a little bit younger. But the thing with Sting is, is like, I almost feel like Sting is going to die here in like the next year. Like he got like a, and I don't mean What? That. Let me. What? Let me make not this Steve. make sense. But it's like, he's almost on a retirement tour. It's like someone told him he has a year to live. And he was like, all right, well, I'm going to soak it in. And it was a special moment. I don't know if Sting and CM Punk have ever interacted in a ring together. And I know CM Punk loves Sting. So for them to both tribute each other, I want to give props to Sting's makeup artist, though, because I know he didn't do that shit himself. What did they like 3D print that shit on his face? It was because cool. It was immaculate. I thought it was. I, I, all right. So I wasn't sure how to feel about it, if I'm being honest. I just said it was cool. Now I feel like a fake, a fraud, a phony. You big, fat, phony. You. I don't, I don't, Um, I don't know, man. Like, what part of me was like, yeah, okay, I get it. And like, that's what wrestling is. So like, I just kind of accept people for what they are. If you want to wear makeup, and, uh, not makeup, I mean, uh, war paint. Face paint. Face paint. What the fuck am I talking about? If you want to wear face paint, wear face paint. It's always been my bag, though. You know what I mean? That's kind of always pushed me away from Sting a little bit. I don't know, like... It's a special moment. The match, though, like, so the first half of the half of the match, I was like, all right, this is another one of these matches. You know what I mean? But the second half, CM Punk pulled his butt out, dude. He looked great. Here's the thing, though. CM Punk is self-proclaimed best in the world, and that is what he did. He put on an absolute clinic, and it gave us an opportunity to have all of these people CM Punk has not wrestled and get them all in one shot and put on a showcase, but also give him the ability to work different styles and that's the thing if you've noticed all of his opponents since he's been back have worked completely different styles and he's been able to hold his own and put over all these different people but it's all building up to when he eventually holds that title because i'd like to think he will at least hold it for a period of time whether it's a 365 day run or it's a three month run when is that gonna be that can't be for a while though right we've got so much plans no 100 percent, and i I don't want to rush anything, and I know I've been saying, like, hey, let's put the belt on Brian. Let's put the belt on Brian. You got to have fun with it, you know? I've made my argument for that, but with CM Punk, he in no way, shape, or form needs to be in that main event picture, and I'll die on that. It'll happen when we're ready, but we're not ready right now. He's doing other things, and he's making the whole card feel like a main event. Do you think he goes up and hits that finally, and then he loses to put somebody over? Because it seems to me the whole time it's been like building his brand so far, making him look strong. Exactly. Well, it's solidifying him because he did lose a little bit of respect with his run in MMA. You know what I mean? So he's now 
re-solidifying the fact that he is the best in the world still because there's someone else who holds that tagline right now and it's well-deserved. But he has gone out and done everything he needs to do to put over other talent, but put himself over because it makes no sense to bring CM Punk out and have him lose. Like if we really want to get the most out of him, we can't make him look weak and rusty. And we haven't gotten that. Very eloquently put, my man. I got to say, you really painted a picture with that. I loved your analysis. Don't you want to tell me about some bad booking, though? Okay, I, I'm down to do this. I don't want to say bad booking. No, so no, no, me, no, let no. Me, let me explain. Let me explain. So Kyle O'Reilly showed up to AW, which, you know, if you've listened to this podcast at all, I'm ecstatic about. I want him there so fucking bad, and I'm so happy that he's there. I do have an issue. Um, it's not a big issue. I'm not going to go complain too much. I'm going to complain once right now, and then I'm going to move on, and we're never going to talk about it again. Oh, no. We're going to talk about it every single week. He effectively teamed up with the Undisputed Era, so he's here. Um, were they not feuding like a month and a half ago? Uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly? I have the argument for that. Shoot. Did, did you notice the tension between the two of them when he showed up? Even though Adam Cole proposed that he had a gift for the Young Bucks, last week it might almost seem like that wasn't the intentional gift now as soon as he gets Kyle O'Reilly and he sees that they're obviously working as a unit again he has no other option but to go back and reform the undisputed era where he's the top dog because he's not the top dog with the young bucks I did see the look I did see the tension all I'm saying and this is why I don't have a huge problem with it because I understand that they paid a little bit of homage to it but it wasn't what they could have gotten out of this could have been better you know what I mean? Like it was a quick book to make things quick and easy because that's the best way to do it if you want things to happen fast. But there is a long game involved that they could have really pulled something beautiful out of this. How do you know they haven't yet, though? I don't. And I'm here to wait and see. I'm definitely ready to watch some more. But like and like I said, this is not me ragging on it because I'm absolutely for the elite versus the undisputed era. I am absolutely for it. I want it. You know what I mean? But like I also want to make sure that all my kayfabe ends are tied up before we move on. Well, and I think they did that in the best way they could. The problem is, is we don't watch the vlogs and stuff that they do, the Being the Elite show. I actually want to go back and watch that before I go way too deep in it. But I really feel like we have all the potential in the world to set up something spectacular and then get what we needed out of the rivalry finishing off in NXT because they kind of played that string way too long and it ended up taking away from the first match when you have that match over and over and over. I I think you're right but I also think that all three matches were serviceable. There wasn't like a boring one of those matches. You know what I mean? AW has the ability right now though to take all of the best factions in wrestling and have them under one roof because they are making a name by creating factions. Yes, they have different home-built superstars. Superstars. I hate using the word superstars. What's wrong with that? Especially for AEW talent. Well, they are superstars. In my eyes, they are superstars. But (laughs) nevertheless, they pride themselves on their factions, though. So to have one of the greatest factions in recent memory from WWE, even though it's not a product of WWE, and I will touch that, I have seen a lot of mixed reviews on this because people are just going... Hey, blah, 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 just copy and paste WWE's homework. And it's that's not what's happening at all. Why do people get mad about stuff like that? I think it's weird. 
Is I it, think it's weird to not just watch a show and be like, hey, this is good or hey, this is bad. Is it now cool to just hate on a company without educating yourself and to just forget how wrestling has always worked? Because that's what it's starting to seem like. People just don't remember when territories were a thing. And you'd have someone in a territory for a year, two years, and they'd be the top star until they had no one else to face. And then they cycled them out for new talent to put over. And then that talent would go work a different territory and play the same game. All of the main eventers basically tagged themselves out of towns. And that's how wrestling worked. Yeah, they worked for WWE. Fucking get over it. Are you mad that your friend who used to work at AT AT&T now works at T-Mobile? Like, Yeah, fuck that, dude. We're an AT&T household here, man. Well, fuck you, man. T-Mobile Tuesdays, that's where it's at. But anyway, and that's basically the argument people are having right now. But it's even worse when someone's like, well, AT&T literally created the cell phone and the internet. And then someone's like, well, no, T-Mobile literally conned the word cell phone. They wrote it. They were the first person to invent And that's the stupidity of all of this. What a cell phone metaphor, dude. Like, I just, my mind is completely blown. I really just pulled that out of my head. I'm just really impressed, bro. You know more about cell phones than you should. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to put that out there. You know a weird amount of things about cell phones. Well, you know a lot of things about bad movies. So can you give us your bad movie of the week? (laughs) I fucking guess. So this week I watched Christmas Bounty. Oh God, I'm already not ready for this movie. <laughs> so let me give you a, a, a brief synopsis because this is fresh in the mind. A girl is works, her family is bounty hunters, okay? She's in a, a family of bounty hunters. She's one of the bounty hunters. Of course she is. So she decides that she's had enough of being a bounty hunter and she wants a regular life. So she goes from New Jersey to New York and starts dating this rich, sophisticated man with a degree in money, while her family continues to be bounty hunters. So she hides her past. But when a a big-time mob boss gets out of jail that they put away, he calls her, and her past becomes her present. And her ex-boyfriend is The Miz. He becomes her present as well, because he works for her family. The Miz is in it? The Miz. Oh, what... (sighs) It's a movie about bounty hunters, and The Miz is a bounty hunter. Bam, bing, bong, boom. Which movie in the series is this? Is this like the third or fourth movie in the series? But No, bro, I actually think this is the first one and the best one. Wow, finally, he gets to be the lone star main man, star better, in a movie. You better put some respect on The Miz, man. He's made a bunch of uh, Christmas movies for WWE. He's their only Christmas movie guy. Have I ever told you about my favorite experience watching a Miz movie? I feel like i did this way early on the podcast but it you know it just didn't translate so well so let me go ahead and give it another shot i was uh you know just cleaning the house one day tv was on in the background and all of a sudden the movie changed and i don't know what happened but i got to watch spanish language marine five and i'll tell you what the miss speaks perfect spanish taylor I am so proud of him. There's no limit to what he can do. That's why he's going to go in the Hall of Fame in a few weeks. (laughs) Because of of the perfect Spanish he speaks. And also his acting abilities. I'm telling you, this movie, about a 50%. (laughs) I was going to just ask you your star rating. So it's a 2.5. It's not great. It wasn't bad. It was was so... Usually it's like a shootout movie. And this was one of those. Yeah, I was going to say, you were starting to get in like a rut of like the same movie. 
every week just another they're all enjoyable shit such good shit yeah it's just like it's just shit like it's an hour and a half of just enjoyable shit there's nothing that's like terrible about it it's not it's as good as a hallmark movie i got a couple laughs out of it there was a couple times i was like okay i will tell you what man i was gonna give this movie a 3.5 and then the cut scene at the end of the movie happened and it's the miz like twerking the christmas music that should have boosted it to a five <laughs> it, it took, on its it own it merit. I got to tell you, dude, he's got uh, seriously lacking in rhythm. Poor guy. It's <sighs> Jeez, not his man. fault, Taylor. I just feel like sometimes when you get things in scripts, you have to be willing to be like, look, dude, I'm not dancing. He didn't take you know creative I mean? control. Like, now he's and that's over, on him. Now, though, I will say now he's learned to have a little rhythm. You know why? Him. He had a, a real dance coach. Ooh, that's, dancing with yeah, the stars did the things stars. for it, man. You know, down the line, that's going to come in handy when he's offered another shitty role. He's going to be like, hey, I can dance. Don't have to worry about that this time around. Damn, man. I don't know, man. I think you might have to watch this movie. No. I'm going to get you a copy of it. Don't you worry. Is that what my Christmas present's going to be? No, no. Not the Miz movie. Well, I have some cool Christmas present related things for you. I don't know if it's a Christmas present, especially if you don't celebrate that holiday. However, we are doing something now that I'm very excited about. We talked about it last week. Shady Natchez is here with us. Well, kind of here with us. After the ad, you are going to get a pre-recorded little segment with me and him where we discuss some wrestling. So I'm really excited for you guys to check it out. And we will be right back. All right. So we have the match of the week. And like we mentioned last week, we now have a guest to help us out with this. I thought, you know, Taylor does know what he's talking about with wrestling to a degree. But as we know, not always does he have the best insight. So it's not a good an expert. So we have our good friend Shady Natras over here to go ahead and walk through a couple different matches with us. And uh, I'm really excited to have you here, man. So uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Obviously, you're a friend of the family anyway. So just in case someone doesn't know who you are. Yeah, if you you don't know who I am, I'm Shady Natris from the from the UK. I've uh, been in the wrestling business for, for twenty years now, and been a fan for at least thirty. So, I've uh, I've seen some some things over the years, and I kind of hope and uh, my experience will uh, add something interesting to these uh, these chats. Well, and I think we picked the perfect one to start off with too, because if I remember correctly, you were telling me you were actually in attendance for Capital Carnage of December 6th, 1999 or 1998. I don't know why I said 1999. A couple little match notes real quick. Uh, the match we'll be talking about is the main event. It is a fatal four-way with Mankind, Kane, Undertaker, and Stone Cold. Special guest referee, Gerald Bis Briscoe. I cannot talk today. Holy crap. <laughs> and it went for 16 minutes and 12 seconds. So tell us first and foremost, what it was like being there, my friend. It's like the the thing that I can remember most. Bear in mind, I was I was fifteen at the time, so it was uh, a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the atmosphere. Um, I don't think that wrestling nowadays you can quite capture how how much of the buzz that it was at the time. We'd you know what I mean the the matches got Austin, Mankind, Undertaker, and Kane in it. So you, the star power there alone is. I, I actually, when I was watching it, yes, the match again yesterday, and I, I actually made a comment to my girlfriend saying how the WWE couldn't put a match out with eight wrestlers now and have the star power of this one match. Um, and it's just yeah, like these four were were top of the game, and 
a four-way is a difficult match. Um, and I remember being entertained at the time, especially, yeah, I, I actually remember when they were they're doing the, the drinks at the end with Vinnie Jones. Um, they were actually throwing, we were sat by the hard cam and they, they actually launched oh, the empty oh. cans towards us. <laughs> so, so I remember them flying towards us. Dude, that is so awesome. And like, like you said, like you can't match a star power of that match. And what mm-hmm. I thought was interesting is that actually encompassed the, or the title match too. So like that match was so big, but it to a degree because it was an exclusive pay-per-view event, it had you more of a super show feel to it than your average WWF pay-per-view at the time. Yes. Yeah, and like looking like I had I had a little look at the the rest of the card as a little reminder, and it it was stacked. Yeah, yeah. I mean you had you had the Rock on it, you had Triple H on it, you know, uh, Jeff Jarrett, Ken Shamrock, uh, my my favorite Al Snow. Um, there's been a, a a couple of names on the list that have worked uh, shows with myself, like like Sadilo Brown and uh, and Val Venus. So it's. Uh, yeah, like the name value top to bottom was was unreal. And that's It's cool because like you said, you've worked with some of that talent. So to go from being 15-year-old uh, at the show to then working with some of these talents, like definitely has come full circle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me ask, one thing I noticed, I, had, I didn't have a super hard time finding it, but I didn't notice it on Peacock myself. Did you have any trouble or do you guys still have the network over there, right? Uh, we, yeah, we still have the network over here. Okay, so um, is it is it on the network? Uh, I I couldn't see it on there, but I probably wasn't looking hard enough. But uh, uh, yeah, I did find a copy of this match, and uh, yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was very very nineteen ninety eight. It had a good vibe to it, and I, I thought the Vinnie Jones stuff was really cool with Big Boss Man as well to kind of set everything up. It I could only imagine what the energy was like in that building. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, one one thing that I did, uh, a thought that I did have about the Vinnie Jones Big Boss Man part was, Big Boss Man is a big guy, and I don't think he looked any weaker selling for Vinnie Jones. Whereas sometimes the you don't want a celebrity to look tougher than than your your wrestlers, and I don't think I don't think it it was negative towards Bossman that he did sell for it. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a little, uh, like, 2021 look back uh, thought on it. Well, especially because, like, Vinnie Jones is, now that he's an actor and everything, I've always kind of noticed him in those roles where he might be a little bit smarter than you, but he'll rough you up type deal. Yeah. So to see him, I think it was really well played. Like you said, it was tasteful because there's been times where you've had celebrities come out and knock someone out, and you're like, come on, man, really? <laughs> like... The big show for Mayweather thing. Yeah, yes. The the funny thing, the funny thing for for myself is, um, nineteen ninety eight, Vinnie Jones was only just starting to get into the acting, mm-hmm. so he was probably more known for being a soccer player. Yep, over here. So it, it's even weirder thinking at the time. That's just Vinnie Jones. <laughs> He's just a bad man. And how be honest, he looked hard as nails when he came up with that little leather jacket and the chain. I'm like, all right, okay, I see you. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to go that hard, but but you did. Well, awesome. Well, uh, do you have any other notes on this match? Um, yeah, the 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 star for me was Gerald Briscoe. 
I think he played his role absolutely perfectly from the the stopping his pinfalls because he had something in his eye because he hurt his knee. And without without it being, hey, look at me, I'm the I'm actually the guest referee, it was really subtly done. And still you could you could feel Austin being more and more pissed at him. And it was just, yeah, that that was the the star for me, considering how uh, <laughs> how all four the wrestlers were was were doing such a good job. Yeah, and I love how he sold for uh not for Hebner when he came in. He was like, Yo, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And then, dude, he definitely was there to play his part. And it's a shame he's not around anymore. He's still floating around, right? He I still believe he is alive, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We have this horrible habit of Taylor will start talking about a wrestler <laughs> and then it will find out that he's dead, and we're like, oh shit, this is not <laughs> the time and place. Um uh, another another couple of things um which are kind of noticed and compared to current day stuff is um first of all the less camera cuts made it so much easier to follow which in a four-way match can be pretty tricky anyway but by letting every every time the camera was on you had enough time to see what was happening before it moved on um which as we know like current day it's just Um, and also there was no kicking out of finishes when somebody needed the pin broken up it got broke up by somebody on the outside rather than kicking out so you didn't you didn't have to see stunner kick out stunner kick out it made the stunner so much more important you notice that you didn't get overwhelmed with the kind of tropes you get in a fatal four-way match it seemed more like a brawl instead of like all right two people have to fight now Let's circle one out to bring someone else in fresh. Yeah, um, and yet that was that was something I noticed. The the whole pacing of the match, start to finish, was just perfect. And and as I say, always a, a, a very tricky to do. Which, as you say, without using the same tropes as every other one that you've seen, um, even the staggering of the entrances, not having Austin come out right, right away and then having like the two on one on Mankind and then Austin getting that bigger response rather than just boo the bad guys, cheer the good guy where, as soon as they come into the ring. You then had boo, I, I, I hate Kane, I hate Undertaker. And then it was like, where's Austin? Where's Austin? We want to see Austin. We want to see Austin. We want to see Austin. Austin, yeah! The glass smashes and everybody just goes nuts. And it's it's so simple, but it's brilliant. And I don't feel like things are executed like that anymore. And it's so many times you just like there's not an importance put on entrances almost. Like yeah. it's just like, hey, like someone has a theme song, they have their generic entrance video. Like now it used to be back in the day where like, yeah, the Titan Tron really wasn't used that much back then, but still like their music fit the character. It set the pace, it set the mood. There's a reason why Undertaker's theme song is so iconic. Because when you yeah. heard that bell ring, you knew what was about to go down. When you heard that glass shatter, you knew what was about to go down. And Absolutely. now it's like, you just, like in the video games, the creative theme or like entrance, they use those yeah. generic theme songs for the wrestlers. And it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Play with our emotions, um, that extra step. And that and that's one of the things that I think AEW were trying to capitalize on. Anytime they can pay for the rights for an entrance theme, they do it and it makes it makes a big difference 
Um, the likes of Jungle Boy, because he they've paid for his, and it's it's added to Jungle Boy's stock now because the, the crowd sing along. And whether whether they know who he is, you're gonna in if you're in that at that venue, you're gonna hear it, hear everybody chanting, and oh, I want I want some of this. <laughs> and then that's it. You 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 hooked on Jungle Boy, and he hasn't even done anything yet. <laughs> yeah, and it just it sets the tone, it sets the atmosphere, and that's the atmosphere of this event was just unbelievable. And I'm I'm envious that you got to be there. <laughs> yeah, the, the the shows, a lot of the shows back um, back in the nineties that that I I had went to, it was a lot of them were were just house show level random matchups but um well once i started doing the likes of capital carnage and i was at a one night only i think it was okay with, with bulldog and sean and the place nearly rioted because i think they did like a almost a screwy finish with some like a maybe a figure floor or something uh-huh. and there was rubbish getting thrown into the ring and the place went crazy um, but yeah, like you got a higher level once they started going, Hey, we can actually make pay-per-view level matches here and, and make it a big deal. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it, it raised the game of the, the UK shows. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your insight on that, my friend. And we will see you next week. Yep. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. We're so stoked to have Shady with us and, you know, get his insight. It's really cool to always see it from a different perspective, especially from someone who's so familiar with being in a ring himself. Speaking of guests, though, we had a guest on NXT this week, Taylor, and that is. Speaking of guests, though, we had a guest on NXT this week, Taylor, and I know why that guest was there. Do you know why that guest was there? Well, I don't know, man. I just watch wrestling because I love wrestling. I don't be looking at the dirt sheets and reading all the internets and the interwebs and the deep dark webs and shit. You know, I'm just there. And I'm telling you, you you should tell me why it happened, but I'm telling you, I'm so glad it happened. AJ, baby. I'm really intrigued. We've seen AJ stuck in a tag team for the last, what seems like two years almost, even though it's only been like eight months. And he's really been restricted because his whole purpose was to put over almost. And that's possible. And I think he did the best he could do considering they are completely different wrestlers. And I have no idea why they would stick the two of them together. Maybe to make the matches a little more exciting. You can uh, decide for yourself if that happened. The reason they did it is because AJ can save anybody with his mic skills. Continue. All right. Well, then just get him a good manager. But nevertheless, we now get AJ Styles back hopefully doing what he does best. Now, we haven't seen a match between him and Waller yet, but he did show up on Tuesday to initially wrestle him, and it was postponed till next week. So they're setting up a segment, and from what I'm hearing, it's because of all of the rescheduling that happened in the NFL the last week or two, because I believe we have football games for the next like two weeks, and they are already having a hard time with viewership, so they're going to do everything in their power to change that. So we're basically pulling the charlotte experiment again from or last year or two years ago yeah it was like two years ago now when we had charlotte come down and become nxt women's champion now i don't think they're going to put a title on aj at all but it's going to be interesting to see if this is just a two three week thing or they actually keep him down there to put over this talent our wrestling mindsets are so different will you're looking so far ahead dude i'm just living for the now i'm sitting on my seat and i'm watching the screen right in front of me 
I'm not trying to see down the road. I just want to see what these two young men can do. Because here's the thing about Grayson. I don't fucking like him. And I've said before, it's not it's not because his ring skills suck and he's an ass. It's just because he just sucks on a microphone. And you know what? He's improved. So here's to Grayson Waller. And here's to AJ Styles just getting to be AJ Styles again. Ah, uh, once again, you're singing Grayson Waller's praises. And I'm totally okay with that. And man, I want to go ahead and say it. If someone bought me a Grayson Waller shirt, I'd wear it. You just called AJ Styles a young man. And I need to remind you that he said, like, last year, in the next five years, he plans on retiring. It's his hair. <laughs> his hair makes him look It makes youthful. him look youthful, yeah. It's so shiny. What a nice guy. I don't know, you, man. I don't know what it is about AJ Styles. It's his accent and his hair. He's like, I'm just a man. You just like a southern man. What was man that with accent? I just, did, I just did AJ Styles' accent, but it wasn't him. It was like Sean Connery. Yeah, it was spot on. And I'm so, <laughs> I wish I had the talent that you do to imitate these people. I wish I worked on these imitations more because that was bad, bro. That was what that's that should be sat on the curb to be picked up by the garbage cans, man. This is how you become TikTok famous. You just start <laughs> practicing your impersonations in the mirror and film them. And just put them to TikTok. There's a Let bunch the of, people decide, Taylor. That's a that's a dug a hole that's already been dug, man. I'm telling you, there's a bunch of people. I will show you them, bro. They're bad. How do you think half these people get fucking famous by You're copying right, other other people? I'm just gonna do a bad Sean Connery impression. That's gonna be me. Do I have to dress up like him too? This is a terrible idea, man. I, mean, I think I should just stick to wrestling. You're calling me out for thinking way too much into wrestling, but you're here plotting out your entire like wardrobe for your Sean Connery impersonation. I'm just saying, man. TikTok's important. It is important. <laughs> just like the holidays, no matter what you celebrate, we thought we would do something for our good old holiday for us and talk about what we and talk about who we would bring to Christmas with the family. This was your idea, Taylor. So I'm going to let you start it off. Okay. So I started thinking about this, you know, like the thing with this little uh, thing we're doing where we can bring dead and alive wrestlers to Christmas dinner with us is you got to plan it out correctly. If you plan Andre the giant, he's going to eat all your shit. You ain't going to get no fucking pumpkin pie. There ain't going to be no fucking beers left. You bring pumpkin pie to Christmas time? I'm, I'm, a side story. I didn't get any for Thanksgiving and I want it. So I saw it was like four bucks at Publix. I'm buying a pumpkin pie and a pumpkin pie is going to Christmas with me this year. But anyway, you can't, you can't get none of that pumpkin pie, man. Andre's going to take it away. What if the world just plays you like a fool and then you go to get a piece of pumpkin pie? You get the like nicest glass in your kitchen. You fill it up with ice cold fresh milk it's not expiring for three months baby it just came out the cow's teeth and it's that organic farm raised shit you know i know what gets you stop it bro stop it you have it in your hand you get your favorite dish you get your favorite fork you even grab your favorite pie slicer and you go to grab that pie and all that is left is crumbs what would you do, Taylor? I don't know, man. You can't really get mad about pie. You just kind of shrug your shoulders and shoot for next time. In reality, you just fucking eat the cup and you just start screaming. Well, I fucking gas! <laughs> of course! Of course! <laughs> so, back to this weird thing we're doing. We got off on a sidetrack on pumpkin pie. It was well-deserved because pumpkin pie is delicious. Put a little whipped cream on top. Never mind. 
So, yeah, you're bringing us right back where we left. <laughs> it's a loop. It's like you're like, all right, time to leave. And you're like, but I forgot my keys. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking uh, the first person I would invite would be William Regal. And here's why. This man is so fucking polite. He could just, I just imagine him sitting there with my aunts just sitting on both sides of him. And he's just like, can I have another glass of milk? And they're like, yeah, here. And he's like, thanks. And it's that he's just a great man. You know what I mean? There's just nothing not great about William Regal. You're saying things about wrestling right now, but I know in your head you're still thinking about that fucking pumpkin pie. <laughs> I wanted to talk about it again, bro, but I was worried about getting back in the loop again. Well, then, Taylor, who besides yourself is bringing pumpkin pie to Christmas? Dinner? William Regal. <laughs> okay, so it's William Regal. Yeah, I know that he's a pumpkin pie fan. So do you have the oh, other allegedly. two figured out, or do yeah, you need yeah. a little so, time? The second one is Haku. <laughs> Here's why I'm bringing Haku. So you got to have that guy that he just seems like the dude that would be like hanging out at the kids table, arm wrestling all the kids. He's just so enjoyable to be around. You know what I mean? Just like, you know what I mean? You look over, you're like, he just makes you happy to see him in the room. He's that family member. Do you have one of those? Yeah. You just look over, you're like, fuck with Carl, man. Carl's here? Wow. The party's here. Yeah. And he's just hanging out, arm wrestling everybody. Because yeah, that's what Carl does. That's what Carl does. He's, He's a big guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Okay, and how about number three? All right, so for my third one, and this is where I had to get a little weird. I was thinking Butterbean. (laughs) You can't even... Are you including him as a wrestler? Yeah, Butterbean's wrestled. He boxed part gun. No, that counts. I think he also had a wrestling angle in WCW. You might have to look that up, bro. (laughs) I'm going to look it up while you fucking explain why you're bringing Butterbean. Well, for one, he's a fucking animal. Everybody's always got way too much leftover food. Not when Butterbean's around. Have you seen him? He's going to fucking eat. So if, okay, let me get this straight. You are now saying you would bring Butterbean because he would eat all the food. The leftovers. The leftovers. Yeah, in the beginning of this segment, you said you would not bring Andre the No, but here's why. Because Andre demands the best. So when Andre's there, he's getting first of everything. Because he's fucking deservingly deserves first. You know what I mean? That's Andre. When he comes into a room, you're like, ah, shit, Andre's here. We got to give him first plate. You know what I mean? But with Butterbean, it's like, oh, shit, Butterbean's here. Just hold on a second. We're all going to eat. Then you just eat what's left. And he's like, hell, yeah. You motherfucker. He wasn't in WCW. (laughs) You almost got. I don't even know why I had to research that. I'm like 90%. I just verified it. Maybe it was WWE. He was when he knocked out Bart Gunn in a boxing match. I think he had another match. (laughs) Maybe it was TNA. No, <laughs> I know I saw him. All right. So let me give you my picks and I'm just going to name them off and give you the reasons why afterwards. So I'm going Otis, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and the Street Profits. I want to use them as a whole because they're a tag team. I guess that's cheating. But if I really have to choose, either one of them will do fine because they're bringing the smoke. Stone Cold's bringing the beer. And Otis is bringing the beef. What more do you need at a Christmas dinner? Damn, bro. You did cover all your bases. I feel a little silly. You have Butterbean telling you stories about WCW that never happened, eating all your food. (laughs) Bro, I'm saying, though, he does seem like he'd be a cool-ass dude, doesn't he? He is. He just fights whoever wants to fight him. Like, a random person can just walk up to him and be like, hey, man, I want to fight you. And he's like, fuck it. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) He's like, Steve-O? Okay, I'll knock your ass out real quick. Damn, like Steve-O is just asking for it. You know what I mean? Poor Steve-O. He deserves better. (laughs) Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. I have bad news. 
it's Christmas and you can't buy yourself a jaded wrestling shirt for Christmas and have it arrive today. But you can still order one at prowrestlingtees.com slash jaded wrestling and have yourself a really nice January day present. Yeah, January, January day. January day. I like the that. The entire month is just now known as January. January day. day. Or hell, even better, you could buy one and hopefully it'll arrive to you before my birthday in January and you can celebrate me in multiple ways. So you've got options. Before we sign out, can we shout out our favorite wrestlers? I've been wanting to do this for a few weeks. <laughs> shout out to Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Fish Gang. Fuck. <laughs> Any way you can, you'll find a way to either talk about Buff Bagwell or Bobby Fish, or as you say, Bob Fish. Bobby Fish. Fish gang. Fish gang. Please, please, please spread the word any way you can. If you cannot support us monetarily, leave a review. That shit matters. Did you say monetarily? You're yeah. a fucking professor or something? Why don't you chill the fuck out? Watch your language, young lady. You're not my real dad. You can't talk to okay, me. Okay, like Yale's in the building. <laughs> we put out content. All the fucking time. We appreciate you listening. Until the next time, we'll see you later. Peace.